0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the IRA's Block Talk Radio Show. With your host, Minister,
1: Minister A. Ben.
0: ben. And you're listening to it on the win. WIN Network. Yes, that's right. WIN Network. Together, we win. Stay tuned.
2: Fans of I Rain blog talk radio show, I want to welcome you to yet another show. Again, you know, I always want to start by thanking you for uh, being with me tonight because you could be doing several other things, I'm sure. But for you to take a pit stop and uh, join us for our show means so very, very much to me. I am Minister Annie Bell, the host and creator of iRain Blog Talk Radio Show, which is an outreach of Wealth Management Ministries Incorporated. We endeavor to bring talk therapy to survivors of child abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas, as well as providing awareness and resources to prevent these things from happening. Um, And we give it out to the communities across the nation, and around the globe. Um, Canada has just joined us as well. So um, we, that's our 11th country that um, are listening to our show. So thank you so much. And um, please help us to spread the word. Now, we ended the month of January with a bang. I mean, we worked really hard in the month of January. As you know, January is um, Sex Trafficking Awareness Month. And so we brought a full month month's worth, month's worth, worth <laughs> sorry about the tongue twister there, um, of inf- information. We even went to a live premiere of Black Girls Die 2, the Backpage Murders. Uh, we gave out information. We had uh, people from the uh, uh, s- uh, Special Victims Unit out in DeKalb County come and join us. So we just really had a wonderful panel of guests who, um, who brought so much information for us here to be able to um, share with our listeners. Now, the great news that I want to also share with you is a, sex trafficking month being in January was really not a mistake or um, a coincidence. It happens we have Sex Trafficking Awareness Month in the month of January, simply because the Super Bowl happens uh, very close uh, the, the, uh, the week after in the first week of February, of course, the Super Bowl. But su- the, during the Super Bowl, that is the largest sex trafficking incident out of any other day of the year. Um, and so we brought a lot of attention to that. Yes, enjoy your Super Bowl. Enjoy all the festivities. I did. I sure did. But I kept my eyes open, and like so many others, kept their eyes open of what was going on around them, and they were able to detect some uh, uh, sex trafficking incidents. Well, I'm happy to report that in California alone, just this one state, there were over 500 people were arrested for um, sex trafficking over. 50 sex trafficking victims were rescued 28 of them were children um, so i just want to applaud everybody Woo! Woo! for all the work that you did to um to keep your eyes open eyes peeled looking for those clues and cues to let you know um, and to call someone to let them know that there may be a possibility of uh, sex trafficking now again you don't have to know it all you don't have to be certain that it is if you just suspect okay that's a big um, that's a big word right there that I want you to focus on is if you suspect it if something looks weird that is enough for you to make a phone call then let the professionals handle it from there. They will be able to go and investigate and, and see what's going on. And then if more if, if they need to escalate it, then they will if, if it turned out to be nothing. Oh, well, I, I'd rather err on the side of caution uh, than for than not and then uh, a, a child or another victim um, goes unrescued. So again, just want to thank you. Now, if you want to he- read more about this story, I did publish it on my um, on the I Reign Facebook page. The handle is I Rain Stop Abuse and Abolish Sex Trafficking. Go on the page and read about it. It's it's really a great story. Um, again, we need to celebrate every victory that we have. Become a member so that you don't um, miss anything and you can be a part of our movement. Well, today, today. Um, I have a very special guest. His name is Glenn Hall, and he actually is a retired military, and he served our country and, um, you know, uh, and for, for many, many years to keep our freedom, but he himself did not have a great beginning, and uh, here to, to come and tell us about his story, and we're going to do this a little bit different. Uh, I wanted him, his story is so engaging and so very, very intense that I did not want to do it the way I normally do it through like an interview process. We're just going to let him tell his story. I'm going to interject with a few things, um, you know, as questions as I have them, but we're going to let him just tell his story from the day of his birth all the way to his um, day of his triumph. So glenn hull please welcome to the Irain blog, blog talk radio show hello yes and um we appreciate being on the show um and sharing your life story with us i you know there i know that there is um a lot that you that we we have to cover so i want to get started first before you start telling us about what happened, tell us about yourself. You know, like what rank um, do you, did you hold? Do you hold in the um, in the military as a retiree? And uh, tell us a little bit about your about your family.
3: Well, I uh, served in the United States Army for uh, thirty years, uh, attained the rank of Command Sergeant Major um, by the grace of God,
2: and um, I
3: enjoyed uh, my service to in the country.
2: Well, I salute you for all the work, all that you have done in the military. Um, Thank you so much because if if not for you and the other uh, hundreds of thousands who are in the military, we would not have, you know, the the life that we have now. So I just want to applaud you and thank you for that. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, let's go ahead and get started um, and... Uh, tell a little bit about, uh, your life, uh, from, you know, day one.
3: Well, from day one, um, it started off as uh, a fighter. Uh, I was born, um, three months premature with a twin sister. Uh, we were, uh, micro preemies as, um, she was a pound and I was a pound and a half at birth. Uh, my sister Carolyn, um, it passed within um, the three hours of birth and the doctors had told my mother that I would probably not make it myself. So life started off as a struggle and I was, um, put in the hospital and, or kept in the hospital for, uh, from what I can find out uh, close to three months in an incubator, uh, fighting for my own life. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, that was 63 years ago and um, my life uh, up to um, my teens was pretty much a struggle. Um, I was in the, uh, when I, when I, um, after I got home from um, the hospital, um, my mother refused to have anything to do with me. She had made, she did not bond with me. She didn't want to take care of me in any way Uh, in her mind uh, she had written me off as her child uh, she wanted wanted a girl so bad that um, she lost her little girl at birth and then she felt that I should uh, should have also died with my sister mm-hmm. so the my my care and and stuff fell upon my father um, for and, and, uh, this aunt, aunts that would come over and take shifts to uh, make sure that I, that I was uh, fed and changed and that kind of thing. And she, um, I was so small that my, uh, my father's socks served as my, um, uh, uh, gowns and, and, they'd, and that's how they kept me wrapped up and warm. And, and, um, my bed was a, uh, dresser drawer. Um, my dad's soft drawer to be exact from what people have told me over the years so my mother my mother immediately um, neglected me um, and both uh, my needs and my uh, emotional needs as a a baby uh, an infant and um, I so the struggle was uh, the struggle was for people in my family were trying to to get her to take care of me and and um fight get her to, to love me and stuff she wouldn't do anything. She wouldn't hold me, she wouldn't do anything. Um to this day my mother's never hugged me and she's never told me that she loved me. And, and it's tough.
2: Now is it isn't it true that she blamed you for the death of your sister?
3: yes um uh, as soon as i my my earliest memories of anything she said to me was my mother told me that uh I had um uh, killed my sister first in the womb because i i was um uh, I ate everything that she ate and and my sister couldn't get any nurturing and stuff inside her and then uh, she told me that when we were being born, that uh, somehow I killed my sister, uh, so I could live. And as a little boy, I heard this many, many times as a child that I killed my sister, and 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 that and as and as a boy, you know that gets in, that gets in your brain that that oh, sure. that's what that's what you really thought happened, you know. And then so my mother would tell me how terrible I was, and. And that i had killed my sister and that she wished that i had died instead of my sister uh her way of putting it was oh i wish i i wish you had died so i could have my little could have had my little girl you know and so um for most of my childhood that's what i heard from my mother was uh, she wished i had died and now um
2: i want to inject in here and then i'm gonna let you get back into your um chronology but there is a such a thing as what's known as deta- um, attachment disorder, and um, it comes from when a child is unable to attach to a nurturing caregiver uh, as a, a, as an infant. And there is a, you can actually look this up online. It's called the still face experiment. And basically, what they did was they had a an infant. Um, well infant, I think she was maybe about 12 months old Um, she couldn't really talk yet but you know she was making sounds and pointing and um, between 8 and 9 months maybe uh, years old and so the the caregiver whoever that was uh, or I think at the time was the the mother it um, she would engage with the child and you could see the baby just laughing and giggling and pointing and the mother would oh you know just get all giddy and uh you can see that reaction and they're bonding now in the in the the next part of the experience experiment the mother has what's known as a still face a poker face she doesn't show any expression doesn't engage with the child when the baby is pointing and um laughing and trying to get her attention to do those things that she was doing earlier uh with her and bonding with her and laughing and giggling, when the mother did not respond, you could see the baby immediately goes into distress. And the distress continues when the baby is unable to, and, uh, to engage the mother. Then uh, you see them going into the phases of going in, uh, crying and um, you know, kind of hitting her table, trying so hard to get the mother's attention. The reason I'm bringing this about is the importance of parents bonding with their children when they are saying, uh, uh, speaking in nonverbal language to say, "I need you." Um, we have to be there for them. Uh, we, I was even taught at one point that when a, when there's a baby crying, if they're if they've just been fed and they have been um, washed up, changed their diapers or whatever that if they're just crying, you need to leave them alone so that they can learn how to self-soothe. Um, yes, self-soothing is good, uh, and teaching them how to do that is good, but if you neglect them too long, it actually creates a dis- uh, an attachment disorder. And so I wanted to make sure I bring that out and why it was such a, it's so pivotal for Glenn um, and what he went through as an infant Where he did he was unable to bond with his mom. Um, We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back uh, and talk more. uh, Allow Glenn to share more about his story um, and uh, and of his triumph. So everyone, please keep your cheeks in the seats, and we'll be right back in two minutes.
1: We inspire the We inspire the We inspire It's not your radio station. The home of is inspiration. We inspire that that would It's not your radio station. The home truth is We inspire we inspire that and that We inspire, that by and and that by and that by and and that by by and that 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 inspire, that and
0: that
1: that
0: Welcome back to I Rain Blog Talk Radio Show
4: with
3: your host, Minister Annie Bell.
2: Yes, welcome back to I Rain Blog Talk Radio Show. I am Minister Annie Bell, and you are listening to us on We Inspire Network Radio. Um, if you're interested in sponsoring a show or advertising on uh, our many shows, please contact our marketing department at 201-477-0469. Now, we are back with Glenn Hull, who has served in the military and helped us, helped us to have the freedoms that we have, um, served in there for over 30 years. But his uh, life as a child was quite tragic. And so I'm going to let him continue. Uh, Welcome back with us, Glenn. Thank you so much for staying with us. Yes, ma'am. And Um, you were basically, before I cut you off, um, you were talking about how you were so small, so teeny-weeny, that you were kept um, safe in a dresser drawer, a sock drawer, and you wore uh, they put uh, their socks on you because you were so small. I guess, you know, trying to find clothes for that size baby was hard. So um, if you can take it from there uh, with your part of your life story. Okay.
3: Well, Right, taken off from where you were talking about the attachment disorder, my mother, uh, her abuse started immediately in the, in the form of neglect and, and not taking care of of, uh, my needs and not bonding with me. Um, my, my aunts will t- told me years later when I was validating and, and making sure I remembered things as I thought I had, um, was they would come in and I would be, you know, dirty and, 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 uh, messy diapers, that kind of thing, not been wow. fed. Uh, to this day, um, uh, I, uh, no matter how much I lose weight, I carry a bloated stomach from being malnutrition. And so my mom and I, my mom and I never never bonded as as um, mother parent and child. Um, mm-hmm. She hated me. She hated me from the start. She she made a point to make sure every day I understood she hated me and that I killed my sister. Uh, and, and my earliest memories uh, were of her just pulling me across the um, uh, surface, say, the bed, and by my arm or by a leg um, to get me where she wanted me. And uh, one of my earliest memories of my mother was her having something across my face and uh, holding me down, and um, and I couldn't breathe. So mm. that was the Earliest abuse. I was around four four years old at that time. And, so now it is uh,
2: escalated from neglect, um, p- p- straight up pure neglect, with not feeding you, not clo- clothing you probably not bathing you, to now physical abuse. Yes, mm-hmm. and the physical
3: the physical abuse started when I from what I remember is when I started able to crawl and. And uh walk the first part was crawling. Um, she would put a, put her foot under me and kick me across the well, to me, it was across the room. It may have been just a few feet. Um, and or you know, she wanted me she wanted me to stay still. she would stand over me and um, put her foot on me and hold me down to the floor, whether it was my stomach or my back or my head if she got a hold of my head. And know, said i was I was a, I was a toddler. And when she got once you have her angry fit she would um she would grab me by an arm or a leg and, uh, and throw me across the room against the wall uh my the very first physical abuse that terrified me as a kid it stands in my mind and will be there forever was my mom had put her hands around my throat and had put me against the wall at uh shoulder level, her shoulder level, and was choking me, and my father walked in,
0: mm.
3: and um, as a little boy, I remember, uh, going back to my mind as that little boy, I remember my father walking in, and he would, he, he grabbed her by mm-hmm. the hair and swung, swung her across the room, or the hallway, and, and, he, and he tugged me. He took <laughs> um, out of the house. I, he had a barber shop um, that he, that he would take me to to where I would be safe. As you know, years later you would tell me. Um, so that was the earliest abuse then of uh, physical abuse that I remember. And, and she would have her fits of rage and she would, you know, come and come after me. I was I was the kid that she she came after. She didn't come after my siblings. She, uh, I had um, six siblings, uh, four brothers that, that are al- were alive, and a sister. Obviously, my Carolyn had passed, and and a brother that had uh, was stillborn. But she mm-hmm. didn't go after my bro- she didn't go after my brother, She always came after me.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And, you know, I was the one that, that 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 her hate came out of. And then my father. I, my father went to prison when I was around four four years old or so for embezzlement um, and then the physical abuse got worse with my mother. um uh, my I remember my aunts would come over and they would have these really terrible fights about my condition I was living in. I wasn't allowed to um, um, be with my brothers. I uh, couldn't watch TV. And TV in those days was a big thing. Um, and um, couldn't watch TV or go to um, eat dinner at the dinner table. I had to stand in the kitchen. Or um, My place in the house was always in a corner, sitting on my butt, on my hands. If, uh, if it, she had a, a place where she would put me in a closet, she would put, put me in a, a closet. I remember there's a closet off the hallway. She would put me in and walk it, and um, she walked me in there mm-hmm. hours at a time because I wasn't allowed to be with the family. And um, as, so as
0: wow. as, a, as
3: a as a child, I I understood real quick that the the family dog was more important than I was, and got treated better too. Um, so when my father went to prison, she started um, withholding food and um not allowing me to eat so i would i would uh steal food out of the garbage if i could or i would take the dog food back 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 in my back in those days uh my mom was so poor she couldn't afford dog food so she, the dog got table scraps so i would steal the dog food
0: mm-hmm. and
3: then uh that was um between 4 and 7 My dad came back from prison, and he was with the family for a few. I want to say, in my mind, he was with the family. From what I understand, um, for only six to twelve months. And Mm -hmm. and my mom, him and my mom fought, and she got more violent. And and when he wasn't around, uh, she would take it out on me. But when my dad was there, she would uh, throw coffee in his face, or she would throw dishes at him. She had a terrible temper that she would, whatever she'd get her hands on, she threw it at this Wow. So, she went, was, like,
2: um, so there was even, you've even witnessed domestic violence. Um, yeah. And normally it's the other way around. You know, uh, there are more men who abuse their wives than wives who abuse their husbands. So you actually were able to, you actually witnessed the, um, the wife abusing the husband, um, now, you know, and I'm sure this has gone through your mind as many times, um, that you have had to suffer this and the many days that you've suffered through this, you know, wondering why didn't he take you with him? If she, if he saw that she took her ire out on you, you know, I wonder what made him leave you there why didn't he take you uh, that would have solved the problem because he was not abusive correct
3: not that I remember no
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, he, my dad was a very big man he was 6 foot 6 6 foot 7 um, he um, but he was really uh, like a, a, a beaten pup when he was around her
2: uh, wow. I remember. so maybe and he was scared my, to take you for, because he wanted to avoid her wrath at all costs.
3: Um, that's not what he told me years later, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, oh, I'm he, sorry. No, 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 that's fine. Um, he, No, my father left to get away from her. Um, one day my father came home and uh, this is after he caught, you know, he had, had caught her choking me against the wall and he tugged me to his, Barber shop, and and he, we stayed there. And I remember I used to be fascinated with the train that went around the the, the ceiling or the wall, uh, around the around the walls or along the ceiling. And he would play the train so I could watch it. And um, he went took me back home, and he said that he was um, going to get a loaf of bread, and he never came back. Um, So the last time I saw my father, he abandoned the family when I was six or seven years old. And then from from that point, the abuse got really, really bad. Um, At that time, my mother banned me from the house if possible. Uh, She um, stopped letting me have water or anything to drink. Um, I I was forced to uh, drink my water out
2: of a toilet. And, and I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a bookmark right there if you don't mind. Uh, we got another quick break that we have to take, and uh, this will give everybody a chance to kind of take a deep breath. And because, uh, like I said, this, this, your story is so intense. So if you'll put a bookmark right there, everyone will be right back with another quick uh, break. Okay.
1: Sadly today, most of us know at least one person that suffers from addiction or substance abuse. Addiction does not discriminate. No age, gender, race or classes of people are immune to the horrors of addiction. This epidemic has ruined families, claimed lives and left loved ones devastated. Over 100 people die from overdoses daily and over 20 million Americans suffer from some form of addiction. For this reason, author Lloyd H. Bell Jr. has written the book Clean and Serene. The author is an addictions counselor and recovering addict of over 13 years. He knows and has first-hand experience of being caught in the grips of addiction. Clean and Serene provides experience, strength, and hope for the still-suffering addict. It can also be used as a tool in recovery. Whether it is used in the group setting or individually, this book was written to assist in the recovery process and encourage. Integrating inspirational, encouraging, and challenging scriptures the author has provided. A resource that is sure to change lives. If you or someone you know is battling with addiction, this book is for you. If you are in recovery, this is a great resource to add to your toolbox. If you are a group leader or addictions counselor, this is an awesome book for group therapy. Clean and Serene. Scriptural Meditations for Recovery is available nationwide in both ebook and print. Get your copy or a copy for some you know today from Amazon or Barnes Noble Bookstore. For less than $10, you can potentially change the life of someone currently paying the high cost of living with an addiction.
0: Welcome back to yes, I Rain Block Talk, Talk radio, radio
3: Show with your host, Minister Annie Bell.
2: Yes, yes, welcome back. This is Minister Annie Bell with I Rain Blog Talk Radio Show on the We Inspire Network Radio. Um, if I do want to offer a trigger warning at this time. Uh, I know we're talking about some intense things, and some of our um, listeners I know have gone through our uh, Survivors. And so if this uh, acts as a trigger for you, if anything that we're talking about, please don't suffer alone. Um, call and reach out. We have uh, prayer every Thursday on Facebook as well. And so reach out to us, uh, get, become members of the IRain, um Stop Abuse and Abolish Sex Trafficking group. And we also have uh, counseling available And uh, talk therapy available. Just, just don't suffer alone. We were just uh, talking with Glenn and uh, talking about how in his Glenn Hall and how his life had taken even a worse, um, you know, route of abuse since his father had abandoned him at a, a young age. So, you were talking about Glenn. Welcome back again. Uh, you were talking about how you were now uh, forced to live outside, um, not on the streets, but you were living outside of the house. So, can you kind of talk about talk about what that looked like? Yeah, my my mother
3: lost her house. They, they somehow they had like a brand new ranch type step house when my when my dad left and. They, um, so she'd lost her house, so she moved in, into a, a house that was in the orchard of Washington State, an apple orchard, and mm-hmm. it had a, front, had a front porch on it and was screened in. And so that's where she threw uh, a pile of, of uh, blankets uh, and said, that's where you, owe, that's where that's your home now. And so she would not let me inside the house. Uh, at nighttime, and I was out in the elements on this porch with uh, um, an open um, cesspool, um, and so the 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 rats would come out of there at night, and the bats would fly around uh, through the through the porch because they'd be out there eating bugs and and oh my gosh. Uh, sucking sucking on the, uh, apples, the uh, you know, the rotten apples, uh, after a harvest. And so I would lay in a corner at night and, uh, I would, uh, be terrified all night long. Um, and at this time uh, at, you're how old? I'm a little over seven years old.
2: Oh my God. And,
3: and my, and I would stand outside, um, and, I, um, at first, I would be, you know try to I'd beat on the door or the wall, and then she'd come out and she'd whip me or beat on me, and then leave me crying and and lock me out out of the house. And then I would stand outside the house watching the inside of the house as my brothers and her were doing what families do, you know. So mm. uh, oh my I, gosh. So from from seven years old until I was 11, until I was ten years old. Uh, every place my mother lived, I I lived outside um, the the porch. The I lived in a dirt cellar uh, one, at one place. Another place, I I lived in a uh, um, a wood a wood um, shed where where mm-hmm. you can keep the to, keep the axes and tools for a wood uh, cutting. And anybody uh, from those days knows that was just uh, uh, four walls with nothing else around it.
2: Sure, no insulation. And,
3: and thing, you would, um, some My Betty. Are you there?
2: Yes, I was asking. Do you get a? Did um, she give you a blanket or?
3: No, she. Um, <laughs> my an yeah. aunt. An aunt or an uncle would come by and see that I didn't have bedding or a mattress, and they would, they would bring one. They would bring them out and say, "This is his bed." And then as soon as they left, she would give it to one of the other boys. And then if I did have a bed, um, the bed that I had in uh, on that screened-in porch was filled with uh, maggots and stuff from the oh. from the from the animals that I oh. was, you know, the animals. They would bite on my feet and stuff at night, and like I said, I was terrified i during the night, I didn't sleep very well because I sure. was sure the animal and
0: then oh my I would, gosh
3: you know I would sleep I'd fall asleep from exhaustion, you know
0: mm-hmm. but mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, i was I was very, very unkept and very dirty in those days um,
2: uh, to this now, day I want to make sure that our listeners understand i mean you, you didn't live in hawaii where the weather was nice at night you lived in washington state which is kind of dreary right a lot of uh, moisture in the air and yeah. and cold uh frigid what yeah. uh what were the temperatures at night
3: uh temperatures vary uh depending on where you're at in the states but the temperatures drop between between uh twenty degrees at night to to uh ten degrees uh, in the winter time.
2: I can't and, even um, imagine. Oh my God. Uh, and to and for you to still be alive. I, I'm sorry. I just I'm just so I'm um I'm just stuck right there because you know I live in Georgia and um it gets about thirty degrees out here in the winter. And that is even so cold. And you're saying you were given, you know, rotting blankets, a mattress that had maggots in it, and you had to live outside. And, you know, I can't even imagine what was going through your heart and your mind while watching your family on the inside, you know, warm and cozy and doing, like you said, family things, and you were relegated to this type of torture. My heart just completely goes out to that little boy um, that uh, had to suffer through it. Um, Now, when you, uh, things kind of, again, when you were about 10 years old, it, you were, uh, I believe, had some other things that were happening as well to you. When,
3: yeah, well, Whenever the, out, the living outdoors is the things escalated even worse with her because my mom would would come after me and 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 beat me until I I couldn't move or get and if I if I could I'd try to get away from her. At one point she she buried she buried me um, in a in the wood wood in the woodshed under a bunch of wood and stuff uh, and so because she she told me that you know she was going to kill me and and they'd never find me. So she buried me under a pile of wood and that I couldn't get out from under. And my, my uncle found me and then things got, got worse. Um, So she moved away from the family because they started watching her and what she was doing with me. Mm -hmm. And um, so she moved from Eastern Washington, which is um, high plains desert, uh, very cold in the winter, very hot in the summer, to uh, the Seattle area, and it, at she. At one point, we lived in a in a place in uh, Maple Valley, in which she chained me to the tree, chained me to a tree because she knew I would run away from home. And mm. at, at, in Maple Valley the, the, was the first time I was 10 years old, and I was sexually molested uh, by a female um, lady um, and that was uh, the first um, sexual abuse that happened to me as a kid and my and the thing that the thing that my mom would tell her friends because she would humiliate me in front of them or or she would um, she had a, she had a newborn uh, one of my brothers and she would wrap those dirty diapers around my head and and laugh at me and she would um put a diaper on me and make me and uh, parade me around in front of her friends laughing and poking at me and saying I was a baby, that kind of thing. Um so oh my God. Her, her friends knew that hey, she she didn't protect me. I was fair game for them too. And um, mm-hmm so it was around that time that my mother started allowing uh, my brother two brothers uh to start um, physically abusing me also and uh I had to stand there and just take whatever they whatever was happening and couldn't fight back so the, so whenever she found you know she figured out that she could humili, she could humiliate me and then not get in trouble because uh, after all of it, was my brothers that were picking on me, or she sent me to school uh, like in a diaper, or she sent me to school in dirty clothes, and the kids would would tease me. You know, they would they would pick fights with me, um, and I just become just this, this shriveled up little kid that wasn't going to say nothing. I I didn't talk. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was too scared to. Uh, I just yeah. shut
2: down i'm 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 appalled absolutely appalled at how many people could have been your rescuer. Your mother was yep. not hiding her um, uh hiding her abuse and torture but and they knew and know about your aunt, your uncle your aunt your dad um comp- and and her friends. Um, I'm completely appalled at them that uh, they did not rally up you. And sure, everybody has their own lives to lead, and um, possibly even maybe they were struggling financially, and or didn't feel like getting getting into any kind of argument with the with your sister. But somebody should have set aside their own feelings and their own comforts and um and stood up for you and and if you know one of the things that one of the thing, goals that we have in this show is to give empower people to do something about it um we all know when something is not right uh unless there is some type of mental illness and and i believe your mother when she lost your twin sister something broke in her and um and she was unable to fix it. Um, and she should have received some help as well. She, I don't know if she needed some counseling, um, but she should have received something as well. So Because what she did to you was, uh, again, oh, abusive. Um, and I believe the cause of it was more than just that, that she had a hatred for you because the sister died. Your sister died. There was something, there was a mental breakdown, an emotional breakdown that should have been addressed. Um, When we come back from this next station identification break, we're going to, again, hear more about um, his life and how he, I'm just so thankful that he survived. I'm just, again, just completely in awe. Um, So everybody, please stay tuned so you can hear the rest of this story of triumph. Stay tuned. Hello everybody. My name is Minister Annie Bell, and I am the host of I Reign, Log Talk Radio Show, where we endeavor to bring talk therapy to survivors of child abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas, as well as being the vehicle by which we use to bring awareness and resources to the community to aid in the prevention of these abuses. I RAINN, which is a declarative acronym for the individual survivor. That means I, I identify myself as a survivor, no longer a victim. R, reclaim my life. E, excel at living. G, grow in Christ. And N. Nurture Myself and Others. This declarative acronym has developed into a victorious lifestyle brand that empowers and aids in the healing journey of survivors of abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas. I have also written a book entitled, with the namesake, I Reign, A Survivor's Guide to Thrive, which is now available at Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble. Pick up your copy of my book today and join me every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. here on We Inspire Network Radio, where together, through God, we win. If we endure, we will reign with Christ.
0: Welcome back to I Rain Blog Talk Radio Show with your host, Minister Annie Bear.
2: Yes, again, welcome back everybody to the show, uh, I Rain Blog Talk Radio Show where we, again, endeavor to bring talk therapy to survivors of sex trafficking, child abuse, and other traumas. Well, Um, We're here again with Glenn Hull, who is uh, telling a phenomenal story of his life that, again, I'm still completely confused at how he survived it um, from a preemie to uh, neglect and then the physical abuse. And then he's just now beginning to introduce the part of his story about the sexual abuse. So, again... Welcome uh, back, Glenn Hall. Thank you for staying with us. Yes, ma'am. Well, let's go ahead and pick back up where um, you said that he, she was, you know, it had escalated even more um, and that you would be chained to the tree so you won't run away. Because uh, obviously when you ran away, you were able to maybe find some food somewhere else to eat.
3: Um- I ran away to get away from the the beatings because I I, I as as I got a little older, you know, and I'm I'm nine, ten years old now and I realized that uh my legs are faster than hers and I can get away from her if I if 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 I my I was always on guard, my ears were always listening, my eyes were always looking uh because you never knew when she would strike or I never knew what she was going to do. She would she might have a razor strap in her hand. Uh, a razor strap is what they used to do to sharpen straight razors. Uh, yes. She, or she would have a belt in her hand or whatever she could get her hands on, a stick, a broom handle, and she would, and she would just hit me from out of nowhere. So I, I learned early on to – I was like a caged animal. I was always on alert. So mm-hmm. as, I got, as I got older, I learned to run. You know, I'm not big enough to fight. I, I mm-hmm. tried that. A couple, I tried that a couple times, and it just got me beat into the ground. And so I learned to run. And so you know, as as survivors, we learned to fight or flight. And I and I did flight many times. And that didn't, yeah. so I would run. So she 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 figured out she didn't have any place to put me, so she would chain me to a tree in the backyard, instead um, of the dog. And then, um, a neighbor lady, um, sexually abused me, uh, um, and that was the first time that, that I encountered didn't you know anything like that. And I'm a nine year old kid. i have no idea what the heck that's all about. And then my mother, my mother moved from there to, uh, Seattle, Washington. And for the first time in many years, I was inside the house um but it was in a unheated basement in a washroom uh with uh, broken broken windows and but in the city, she couldn't put me outside because somebody would would report her mm-hmm. and uh, so she um had me in um the um in the cellar and I learned to <laughs> that's when I learned to start running away and I started uh, finding food uh, in trash cans. I, 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 as a, as a little boy, I I learned that restaurants and they would call them cafes in those days. They had, they would throw their scraps out at uh, night. So I would, Mm -hmm. I would go, I would go around there and, uh, and I would, and I would take, I felt like I was stealing, even though I was taking food out of the trash.
0: And
3: then I, and then I got caught taking food out of the trash. And this lady, you know, she pulled me into the cafe in the kitchen, and I thought I was in trouble. And she uh, made me take a, a bath. They had a they had their apartment behind the cafe. And so she made me take a bath, and she uh, she fed me. But she
0: mm-hmm.
3: but she, she knew that I couldn't stay there. But she she told me that instead of stealing food, just knock on the door when I ran away from home and, and she make sure I had, I had a sandwich. Wow. And, then,
0: uh,
3: and then the hobos in, uh, around the place called Green Lake, the hobos kind of adopted me and they would, uh, they stay. And when they knew I ran away, they would, uh, they would share food with me. And, uh, so I survived that way when I ran when I ran away from home and I stayed on the streets for as long as I could until the police caught me. And then would they would take me back home. And I never understood mm-hmm. why the police didn't
2: didn't question my yes. Condition. Oh my you gosh! Know? If I could just knock them on their heads and say hello, you know. And again, but that was back then where um, you know that was in uh, the you, pe- yeah, and people didn't talk about abuse as much um you know there weren't laws protecting children as much as they are now but still some you know you were in the hands of someone who could have helped you um you know uh get away now i wanted to address and i don't mean to digress but i wanted to address something as well when you were 10 you said you were sexually uh, molested by the female neighbor was there penetration or was she, was it just sodomy? No,
3: the female was uh, more of wanting me to be like a baby and suckle on her
2: and that kind of thing. Mm, Okay. And her groping and stuff. I see. And one thing that I wanted to make sure all of our listeners hear and understand for a boy, um molestation is not enjoyable um and, and a lot of people think in that that is part of the stigma why boys uh, they don't really talk about sexual abuse especially, um, especially with the same sex but even with the opposite sex because they there there is a second victimization when um These, someone who's whoever they're sharing it with says, "Oh man, that's that's good." You know, um, all boys want to be sexually active, but that's not true. Again, developmentally speaking, they're not ready for sex. So even though the penises may get um, uh, erect because they cannot ejaculate, it's it's a very painful experience for boys. And so, um, please do not believe the myth that all boys want to have sex at an early age, that they can really enjoy sex. Um, uh, it is still rape. It is still molestation. So, um, uh, we, and we have to allow our boys to speak out. Um, we as girls, uh, we, it's hard for us, you know, to speak out, uh, and we don't even have those type of stigmas attached to us. The boys have a, another layer of stigma that they have to fight against in order to open up their mouths and, and ask for help. So I wanted to make sure that I uh, spoke about that. Um, so go ahead, Glenn. I don't mean to interrupt. Go ahead with your next, um, you know, part of your, your, your life, your story.
3: Well, my mother When my mother moved to Seattle, um, I kind of got... I got a little bit, you know, braver, more, a little more courage. So I, I was part of a street gang, and I'd run back there, and, you know, I, I learned to uh, – I, I didn't go to school. I'd run away from school. So I pretty much uh, lived on the streets with older boys, and and I had that attitude of, of a street kid. And then I started fighting back within the house uh, against my brother that was uh, a year younger than me, but he would he was allowed to – to beat on me and I so I just started fighting him back and and found out that I could I could win you know and then then we had a neighbor we had two guys move in next door to us um, Dick and Hank and Dick Dick um, worked somewhere Hank was uh, no Hank, Dick worked for the railroad and had gotten in a horrific accident where two rail cars had uh, had uh, pinned in between them and so he had uh, really bad um wounds on his back uh, side his buttocks and Hank and Hank was uh his uh partner and of course back in those days i had no idea what what being gay was or uh bisexual or anything like that and um so but there were two guys next door that they gave us boys attention mm-hmm. so any attention at all you know I was like a sponge. If I if, if I thought I could get some attention, I was there. You know, and one day my mother, I got in, my mother pulled me out on the out on the porch um, of the house, and she was beating on me and and knocking me around the the porch, and I was trying to get away from her, but she's holding me by my hair, and she kept hitting me, and then she looked at Hank, who was standing there watching her and she threw me in the yard she goes do whatever you want with him I don't care and, and I won't use the colorful language she used
0: mm-hmm.
3: and she threw, she threw me in the yard and she threw me to the wall wow. because, because from that day forward Hank physically abused me and within a short period of time Hank beat me and then rig me, and wow. he would, and he and he continued to do so for six months or so.
2: Was that a daily occurrence, or? No, it
3: was my mom would, my mom would, go out of town, or she 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 learned that I that if she took me to certain family members' house, that they would allow me to have sweets or that I could eat with my brothers or I was allowed to watch T V. Everything that I wasn't allowed to do in her house my mm-hmm. my aunt and uncle my aunt and uncle said yes in our house he will. So she would she would leave me with an aunt that would do her bidding, if you will. And or she left me with Hank and even after I even after I disclosed to her that what he was doing to me, she said, You deserve it. You don't deserve to live. I don't care what he does to you.
2: Oh my gosh.
3: So she would leave oh my me gosh. At, she would leave me at his house.
2: Mhm. So he she would purposely do it so that you could be tortured even the more. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um this is uh again uh, such an intense um story. I, I I'm going to take uh, another station identification break and everybody Just take a deep breath, and um, his his, his story of triumph is coming. So everybody just stay tuned for just a few more moments. I'll be right back.
1: Hello. My name is Minister Lloyd Bell, Jr., CEO of We Inspire Network Radio.
2: God bless you, and I am Minister Annie Bell, the COO of We Inspire Network Radio. We had you, our listeners, in mind when we created We Inspire Network
1: Radio, or as we like to call it, Win Radio. We incorporated your thoughts and opinions to ensure that our programming will embody true inspiration. And we will continue to bring relevant and heartfelt
2: shows that cater to the needs and of our growing listener base.
1: Please, subscribe to our network so that you can stay connected.
2: Join us here every week, where together, through
1: God, we win.
0: Welcome back to I Rain Blog, radio show, with your host,
2: Minister Annie Bell. Again, welcome back to Irene. You are listening to a special 90 minute broadcast um, of Glenn Hall and when, uh, entitled "When Mothers or Moms Abuse." Um, for those who don't know, we are a uh, outreach of wealth management ministries where we teach uh, financial literacy and also offer Christian counseling to help bridge the gap between the rich and the poor. Um, So if you are in need of any type of counseling or even financial literacy programs, please do not hesitate to give us a call at 201-477-0469. We're back with Glenn Hull, and he was talking about now the phase of his life where he is being sexually uh, abuse. He's being raped by the neighbor, uh, male neighbor, who her, uh, who his mother, has allowed to do, allowed him to do whatever he wants with her son. Glenn, thank you so much uh, for staying tuned. Um, go ahead and finish telling us about this phase of your of your story of your life.
3: Um, so, so, for some reason. At, at, after this started My my mom left me At one of my aunt's house And um, my aunt would, would do what she wanted her to do So I was restricted to the basement Of my aunt's house I wasn't allowed to watch TV uh, Because my mom would go Like the weekends to her To uh, her family's house And she didn't want me to go with her So I was playing um, House if you will um, Imagine a a ten year old boy that knows more about sex, knows more about adult stuff than what he should know
0: mm-hmm.
3: so I was, so I was playing doctor with one of my cousins who was a couple years younger than me, and my aunt walks in, and of course my aunt my aunt um, got very mad, upset um, because my my cousin and I are walking around with no clothes on. And mm-hmm. and then, so she she beats beats me and then calls the police. And, well, the police take me to the juvenile to juvenile center and and um, uh, I am at that point taken out of my mother's home because that they see the bruising on me and they see the the marks and scars that I carry on my body and they've seen how. 30 I was and so they take me out of my mother's home after many weeks of going to court that I remember but, the, but the, 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 the thing that amazed me years ago was I defended my mother I tried to hide the abuse I tried to cover it up because that's what I'd been conditioned to do I'd been taught never to tell anybody if they ask about a black eye, I fell against the wall. Um, uh, bruises on my body, I ran into things, whatever. You know. but, the, but a judge finally got me to talk, and I told, told the, the judge what happened, the female judge. And they made me a, a, a ward of the state, and I fell under state custody. And they put me in a place called Briscoe's Boys' Home. And imagine if you will, here I am, I'm in a place, I've never had new clothes, I've never had anything of my own, I was never celebrated, my birthday's nothing, I've never celebrated Christmas, and I'm put into a boy's home and I'm giving four, four, four sets of brand new clothes, underwear, socks, shirts, pants, shoes, I am excited, I am beside myself because I have never had anything of my own at, at 11 years old.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. And then
3: and then the first time, or as soon as they got me clothes fitted, they told me I had to take a shower because, and then, so they took me to a big shower, and, they, and I went in to take a shower, and a person got into the shower with me. And molested me in the shower. It was and at this cler- point,
2: there- you find out that it is one of the clergy.
3: At, now, in my mind, because I've never seen a clergy person Catholic,
0: mm-hmm.
3: I didn't didn't realize the the garbs that they wear,
0: mm-hmm. the
3: robes. So in my mind, I thought it was a female.
0: Wow. So, so it's a long years, uh, garb. Mm-hmm.
3: It's a long black garb.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: The rope. And then later I realized there were no females, there were no nuns in the boys' home. It was all men. So wow. for the next four years, three and a half, four years, me and the other boys of the school were Physically and sexually Abused by the older boys And by Mm -hmm. the clergy So I went from uh, I went from My childhood To Briscoe's boys home Being sexually abused and raped And I really Really thought at that time That I was a bad bad person Mm -hmm. I thought that I thought that I deserved what I was getting. I must have done something really terrible, like kill my sister, and all I wanted to do was die.
2: Sure. And and it makes sense. Uh, I want to touch base on a couple of things, too, as as far as our for our listeners. Uh, when a child, first of all, children in their developmental ages, they are not curious about sex. Um, they might be curious about body parts. Like a girl might say, well, what is that? And if they see a penis or something like that, but not, nothing sexual. So introduction to sex is normally done by an adult. So if there is, um, or a, or another person who has been another child who has been abused themselves. So the initial contact, sexual contact is normally by an adult. And so, um, because we, excuse me, as children, we um, only know how to uh, imitate or, you know, uh, do what we are have been shown. That is why you see some of the younger children who will have sexual um, contact with other children, and so when that happens you know, our laws need to protect the child because still, even though the child might have perpetrated a, a, a sexual act or many, it's still that ch- the, the child was first abused by an adult um, or, a, a, the, or, or, or abused by a child who was abused by an adult. And so they cannot be held responsible and be sent away, uh, to jail or juvenile facilities, they need therapy. Um, so I wanted to touch on that, that, uh, Glenn, and I know that, uh, for the many years of therapy you've gone through, you know, that was not your fault, even though you may have been the one to initiate the act. Um, and, you know, we have to make sure across the country that our children are protected, um, all the way around. And, um, and secondly, we don't have, you know, uh, proper therapy, even now, uh, as much as there's much awareness there is about it, uh, we still don't have as uh, as much therapy or counseling or something that, um, that is awarded to those who have been abused. We, I mean, if we don't, Seek it out ourselves. A lot of times, we don't receive that. So, um, did you get some counseling? When did you start getting counseling? Because I can tell by the way you talk that you have received some counseling. Yep. Uh, my uh,
3: earliest counseling was in the juvenile hall in the boys' home. Uh, the boys' home because it was mandatory uh, that you receive counseling. Uh, but my counselor was um, a young guy that was. Just getting into the ministry, mm-hmm. uh, it was it, so um, he wasn't one of the the predators, uh, mm-hmm. not ever to me, um, and he was, but he was still also controlled by the older older clergy. Um, so my counseling started there, and, and and it was it was intense because I was a angry destructive kid, you know. Oh
0: sure. Uh, so
3: so my my counseling started then and then and then when I was in the military I I um I received counseling but I got I received it through the through the uh, the chaplains mm-hmm.
2: cuz in
3: the military in the military if you go to a doctor and you got those kind of problems then it, they're going to discharge you right and if, of course I didn't want to be discharged so I stayed away from that kind of thing
2: mhm wow well we're entering into our uh, last quarter hour, and I'm going to take one last quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about more about your triumph, um, how you uh, went into the Army and, you know, what were your thoughts. And, um, and so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more then about your triumph and uh, go from there. So everyone, please stay tuned for our last half hour, last 15 minutes.
4: Have you priced commercials lately? Advertising can truly break your budget. At Win, we eliminate the most common hurdle to advertising. Advertise with Win to reach potential customers locally, nationally, and internationally for as low as $150. Yes, that's right $150 per commercial. Advertise on Win, and you are sure to be a winner. For more information, call us, 201-477-0469. Email Annie Bell at wealthmanagement-fs.org.
0: Welcome back all to I Rain, 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 Rain. Blog Talk radio, radio Show
3: with your host, Minister Annie Bell.
2: All right, all right. This is um, I, Annie Bell, and I am with the I Rain Blog Talk Radio Show. And uh, right now we are entering into our last quarter hour with Glenn Hall, who's, whew, I tell you, it's, it's such an intense life story. I'm so thankful that he is alive. I mean, he has had so many close calls and so many incidents that may have taken others down, but he is still with us. He is, um, and not only that, he has served his country through the Army for 30 years. So, again, I applaud you, uh, Mr. Hall, and thank you so much for staying with us. Okay. Now, um, go ahead, let's talk about your triumph. Um, you, at, at, at what t- at what age did you decide that you're going to go into the army, and and what was your rationale? Um,
3: I was 18 years old. I had come been out of the boys' home since I was 16. Um, lived with an uncle who um, took me in because the boys' home closed down, and but that was a dysfunctional family and. With all my anger and stuff, uh, they couldn't handle me. So I I was so angry at the world that I I wanted to die. And so I said, what better way than to go in the Army, go to Vietnam, and die a hero? You know, die mm-hmm. somebody. Because my mother used to spit in my face every day and tell me I would never be anybody.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: so I... Joined the army because I thought I was going to go to Vietnam and and die. Well, that never happened. Um, God or God or a higher power uh, had other plans for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I spent I spent 30 years in the military and I never touched foot on on foreign soil as a combat soldier. Wow. Even though even though I, even though I was trained to do that and I did train other soldiers to do it, but I never t- stepped foot in harm's way which is amazing Um, then but the army turned me around and the the very thing that motivated me in my life and it still motivates me to this day is my mother spitting in my face in the boys home throwing me down a flight of stairs telling me I would never be anybody so in my in my child's mind I decided to prove her wrong. And that and that was my motivation. Yeah. So my my main abuser in my life became my main motivator in my life. And that doesn't sound weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the army I found a a home. I found um, camaraderie among mm-hmm.
0: soldiers. Yeah. They became
3: yeah. my they, they became my family. Um mm. I w- I um learned in the army many many things, uh, thank God, and one of them was to be a a uh, leader and a counselor and uh, helping other soldiers that were like I was. And then once I decided once I left the army, um a very beautiful lady uh, who was um, a survivor of the Nazi concentration camp, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and an Italian gentleman uh, who was also a survivor of Nazi, Nazi Germany. Um, they, they became my uh, motivation because once I knew their story, I said, if they can do that, then I can move on with my life without having to. Be, the main thing I learned was do not stay a victim because staying a victim, and staying a victim destroys your life
2: that's right, and that is so right, and that's the r um I'm sorry the i in our acronym uh i am a survivor no longer a victim, and once you're out of the victim mentality. Uh, that is when you truly can begin to uh, thrive. Now, my question, all these years while you were going through, how did you keep from completely losing your mind?
3: I didn't at one point. At one Mm -hmm. point, I lost my mind. At one point, Mm -hmm. I, I became a... A all I became was a fighter on the street. I had no feelings. I had no emotions. I didn't care what happened to me. And then I I went from there from the time I was 11 until I uh, until I joined the army. And I just didn't care. I didn't care what happened to me. I would pick fights. I would try. I would put myself in harm's way. Hoping somebody would hurt me or kill Me um, mm-hmm. and then when I, And then in the army I ran Into uh, Who would become my savior It would be a guy by the name of Sergeant Polk and he took me under his wing And taught me to be a soldier And that was my turning point
1: And you know
2: Thank God for someone Who um, Can step in and, and take us under our wings because we, even though we are strong and we have survived, we still need someone who is will, willing to uh, allow us to, you know, to, to aid our healing uh, or take us to our next level of healing. So I, I just applaud that person, uh, which say was Sergeant Polk, um, who, who did that. Now, you obviously have some things going on. What are some of your, you know, your future endeavors, or what are you doing right now uh, to help people? Oh,
3: doing some fantastic things. I'm, I'm um, obviously, I'm doing some uh, some talk shows, which I'm really enjoying, and thank you for having me. And oh, you're very I welcome. Kind of, and I'm, I'm doing a lot of advocacy work on um, several sites of mine and my partner's Sites that we're working. I do writing uh, for male survivors because, in my experience and my research, there's very little out there for male survivors. Um, that um, so, through our through our uh, organization, we have um, it, we have it was me campaign. We have the incest survivors united voices of America. Uh, which are the two main organizations. And then I'm the founder of uh, Quest for a Survival, which is a, a page that I do. I do uh, a, a place called uh, The the Warriors, which is a closed group for male sexual survivors only, and uh, where I reach out and give men a place to voice you know, their concerns and their stories if they wish. And got some beautiful uh, people in there that help that are there if, I need, if, if we need them. And then I've got another one that's a, a closed group called Quest for Survival that's an open member group,
2: males and females. So God, God has fantastic. brought me in a lot, a
3: lot of directions.
2: Fantastic. I love the fact that you have a group just for the men. Um, and I know that you're doing some great things through there. Uh, those who gentlemen who are listening to this show, please connect with him. You can uh, connect him connect with him through my uh, uh, Facebook page as well. I stop abuse and abolish sex trafficking. Or you can uh, search search the handle uh, through Facebook. But however, whatever means, please get connected to his group so that you can get some nurturing, get some of those crazy. Um, memories out uh, of your head and into something that is uh, that's going to help you, allow you to vent properly, um, and being around other people, almost in an anonymous way, um, uh, who have suffered what you may have gone through, really truly mm-hmm. really aids again in in the uh, in your thriving. We just don't want you to live; we want you to thrive um, in your recovery. Um, and the recovery process it takes some time uh, w- w- wouldn't you say that Glenn, that it takes some time?
3: Uh, it takes time and, and and I think the thing is and and for, especially for men which men are very closed-lip about things and mm-hmm. we don't talk we don't talk about the, the intricate details is it's it's it takes time to heal but it's also a life life uh, process it's, it doesn't yes. mean you're going to be a big- doesn't mean you're a victim all your life. You just have got to understand it's always going to be kind of like in the background. That's you know? right. And 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 we and we just we we work our way through things.
2: That's right. And our bodies are um as, as our minds are created we're created to heal from the inside out. And so you might not see uh, changes on the outside, but if you are taking steps to heal and to um uh thrive, you're going to see things more, feel more things on the inside before you see it on the outside. So now, Glenn, uh, for our listeners, can, how can they get in touch with you or your team?
3: They, they can reach out through our Incest Survivor uh, Organization or It Was Me Campaign Organization. They can Google that and it will take them to the, the site or they can look us up. Uh, me specifically as Harold Glenn Hall on Facebook. Um, if they were just, you know, when they do a friend request or whatever, I normally go back and look. Uh, the okay. or, the organization is uh, www.isuvoa.com. That's the, uh, where uh, they can reach out and leave us a message.
2: Great. Um, you are a true hero, a true warrior. I am so uh, humbled to have had you on my show and uh, thank you so much for being so candid with your sharing your story and your um and your triumph, Glenn. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate You're very it. welcome. You're very welcome. And for that I'm, of course I would be, be Great job. As we transition to our wisdom to reign, I just want to say the greatest revenge over our enemies is our own success. So succeed in your recovery, succeed in your healing, succeed in your life journey. Um, to make a donation or to get in touch with me or my team, please go to www.wealthmngt.org. And of course, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at iRain, Stop Abuse and Abolish Sex Trafficking. You can also go to YouTube channel, which is iRain Blog Talk, and become a subscriber. All of our shows are uploaded on our YouTube channel. Now, I want everyone to repeat after me. I reclaim my life. I excel at living. I illuminate the dark. I grow in Christ and I nurture myself and others. Let's reign together with Christ. I will see you next Tuesday at 8 p.m. for another informative show on Talk Therapy. Thank you so much for staying with us. Bye-bye, everybody.